Chris. Um, today I have Zante Wallace here. He is a Prayer Prayer View alumni. You're also a Prayer View Council member, right, on the board? Correct. correct. All right. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, so yeah, so my name is Zante Wallace. Uh, I'm from Houston. Uh, did a little bit of moving around. Um, went to Cypress Lakes High School. Shout out to the Spartans. Mm-hmm. I went to Prairie View University. I am an undergraduate. Started off as a mechanical engineer. I ended up switching to civil and I'm graduating my Bachelor of Science in Mathematics in 2018. Uh, but I also <laughs> dabbled in a lot of community work. Um, was first runner up Mr. Prairie View. I ran my sophomore year. My junior year, I ran for SJ Vice President. Mm-hmm. I got that position. A uh, proud member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. And my senior year, I ran for Prairie City Council member. I won that spot. And right now, I'm currently in re-election for that same position. Exciting. Good luck. Good luck. Thank so you. what made you want to... Okay. So let me just let you guys know right now before we get too deep into it. Um, I wanted to talk to Zante about the importance of voting. Voting. Where mm-hmm. Tomorrow is election day. This is one of the biggest elections of history. And... Black voters turnout was, it declined last year. It was less than the election before. So I just want, you know, my followers, my generation, my audience to hear a message about voting. So what made you want to run for office? One, it's all about change. Um, I'm building, I'm big on building local power within a black community. Mm -hmm. Um, I did a lot of studying. I'm still doing studying because you can never know too much because the man who knows something knows that he knows nothing at all. Uh, but I did a lot of research on ancient black civilizations, the Africans, um, ancient Egyptians, um, read some books and articles um, about us as a people mm-hmm. and the power that we have not only within us, but within our ancestry, within our bloodline. Um, and so considering that the city of Prairie View has a historic black college university, which is Prairie View Indian University, mm-hmm. we're also historically a black city um, because a small tidbit of our history uh, we had the Farm Settlement Project that brought uh, 14 of the best African-American farm families to the city of Prairie View to produce agriculture and create a local economy. Right, right, right. Um, and we're very, and we're a very young city. We only, we got incorporated in 1969. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. My very dad young. was three. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're very <laughs> That's young. That's like a couple the, years ago. Okay. The university was 1876. The city is 1969. 1976. That's the year Howard opened. Oh, yeah. A lot of them. Wait, 76? Oh, was it 76 for y'all? I'm pretty or sure. Or was it 78? No, it wasn't 80. Oh, okay. 8 does sound right. right. <laughs> and, I'll fact check that. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and shout out to Howard as well. Thank you, no. Bye, yeah. We're going to get into that. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So, yes. Oh, yeah. And then just to, yeah, just to finish that up. But, yeah. So, I just saw opportunities within the community i feel like they need someone to bridge a gap between um, the residents that live outside the campus and the students and mm-hmm. i think that a lot of times uh, people forget that it takes the wisdom of the elders but the young people's energy so my thing was i'm just gonna throw my hat in the race if people liked what i had to do or what i had to say um then they were gonna vote for me if not then, hey i'm gonna keep on working and i was blessed to get the opportunity Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, what was, what's the platform of your campaign? So now or when I, when I first ran? When you first ran. When I first ran, uh, the campaign was just building greatness together. Um, it was all about talking about economic development, uh, spending our money on infrastructure. Mm-hmm. I mean, bridging the gap uh, between the community. And so, um, you know, people liked it. 
I liked it. They liked the work I did, and I was able to get elected. Wonderful. Well, that's just a good luck for, you know, the upcoming election. So let's just dive into the voting thing. Um, I asked a lot of my friends, I've been asking for the past couple of months, like, are you voting? Are you voting? To hear their perspective. I voted for the first time. I did not vote in the 2016 election. I was broadcasting, you know, I was in D.C., so I was really excited to be in the nation's capital, you know, broadcasting the election. Yeah, that was really fun. But I only voted because... Michelle Obama told me to. Like, I read her book, and then I watched the documentary. Becoming? Yeah, oh, Becoming. I watched Becoming. I mean, I read Becoming, and then I watched the documentary. Mm -hmm. And in the documentary, that's what she says. Like, young black people, y'all need to vote. And she just, she harps on that. So I'm like, you know what, Michelle? I'm going to vote for you this year. Mm -hmm. But what, you know, why do you think it's important for everybody to vote? So voting is a tool in a toolbox, right? So if you're trying to build a house, right? Um, you're going to need different tools. You're going to need hammers. You're going to need screwdrivers. You're going to need nails. You're going to need wood. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of building the community and building local power, voting is a toolbox. So that's for you not to vote. It's like going to build a house without your hammer, right? But then also in that same breath, you got to know how to use a hammer because you take the hammer and give it to a baby. The baby ain't going to... What am I going to do with the hammer, right? So, is the hammer not know how to use it? Is that like making an uneducated decision? Right, okay, right. So, so... <laughs> and I mean that, and that's a whole another conversation that could be had about how to leverage your vote mm -hmm. uh, to create some economic, social, and political power within your community to make sure that the needs of your constituents and your friends, family, uh, and the people around you get what they actually need from those who y'all put in office. Right. But it, it's very important to vote, um, and not only as a end means, but as a, another tool that we can utilize to get liberation out of the people. Okay. Um, my idea or the reason why I was kind of against it is because I don't understand how it works. I mm -hmm. truly don't because Hillary won the popular vote, mm -hmm. but lost the electoral college. And I don't understand. Everybody is hopping, go vote, go vote, go vote. We voted. We did our job. Our results, you know, it showed that she won, but that was not the decision. So mm -hmm. can you, you know, help me, help me understand yeah, my vote actually counts for something. Yeah, so it, it does it does count, and I, I understood it when Hillary Clinton got the popular vote, and the electoral college still put in Donald Trump, and people were like, "So what's the point of voting?" Right? That happened with Al Gore and George Bush too. Right. That this is this this is not the first time it happened. Right. And so I know a lot of people can feel discouraged. Right. So first and foremost, I I want to say. That federal elections is different from state, local, and county elections, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So federal, you do have the electoral college, but your local council members, your mayor, your commissioner, your district attorney, right? These people are won by the popular vote, right? So a lot of people, you know, they don't like some of the police brutality, right? Mm -hmm. You can elect your local DA. Right, okay. Right? Okay, okay. So you can elect your city council member a popular vote, right? So... I don't want people to be discouraged by what happened with Hillary or what happened with Bush. And be like, I'm not going. I'm not even going to vote on all levels because mm -hmm. that's two totally different playing fields. And a lot of times, local elections affect you even more right. than federal. And that elections. I do know and understand. But when it comes to local elections, I never. I don't know anybody on the ballot. It's like fifty to sixty people on the ballot, and I mm -hmm. never know. So I always tell myself, like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, mm -hmm. do my research and read what everybody's, you know, where their stances are. One, they're honestly just going to tell you. I think that politics just tell you what 
they think we want to hear. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. There is it's so much work, you know, that you actually have to do to make the proper educated guess. I guess. But as far as the electoral college, what is what is the electoral college? What is it made of, and why is it more valued than the popular vote? Okay, so the electoral college. Now I'm glad we're having this conversation because a lot of people need to be educated on electoral college. I have no idea. When it comes to electoral <laughs> college, quote unquote, it's supposed to help equal out. Um, the aspect of voting throughout the country. So the thing is, like you got states like Texas mm-hmm. that has a big old population, right? But then you got little small states like Rhode Island, mm-hmm. uh, Vermont, in comparison to Texas, California. And the ideology, as the founders said, right, is that if you're running for a position and you know that Rhode Island, and I don't know the exact number, let's, let's say like 30,000 people, mm-hmm. And Texas has ten million, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm running, I'm not even going. I'm not even going to go by Rhode Island okay. because I'm like, okay. look, Texas got all the folk, right? Mm-hmm. So the electoral college was meant to try to equal out the system where the state gets a number of representatives, right? And that comes with the census. So right. the census right. just happened. So I tried to tell y'all, do your The census is so important. Okay, that's a whole other conversation. Right, that's a whole other. But the census determines your representatives, right? Right. So and your funding. And your funding. Another another conversation. A whole whole other conversation, (laughs) right? So (laughs) let's say you have Texas. I'm throwing out hypothetical numbers. You got 50 representatives, and you got Rhode Island with three representatives, that's based off of the census population count, right? Mm -hmm. And so what it does is for a president to win, you have to have a certain number. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. That was fine. Yeah, so for the president to win, they have to hit a certain number of electorates or electoral votes, right? Uh So in in a popular vote, it'd be Everybody votes. Whoever gets the most votes wins, right? Right. Electoral, let's say, I think it may be like 538, right? 538 electoral votes. So, let's say Texas has worth 30 electoral votes. Rhode Island's worth 3. And California's worth 28. And Vermont's worth 5, right? Mm -hmm. When you run, when, when the president runs, they are trying to get the popular vote in that state because the hope is that that electoral college will vote for them and you'll get all the votes. So the hope is that the electoral college will make their decision based on the popular vote? Correct. Okay, but that doesn't always happen. Or It doesn't. It doesn't. Okay. So some states mandated that a... This is a, not a democracy. <laughs> like, so, what? It, it takes us so much away yeah. from our actual power of the people. We don't have... No, it, I, it, 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 <laughs> Yeah, it gets complicated in the sense that when you get a state to vote for you, right? Mm-hmm. That means you get all those votes. So let's say I win in Texas. Me and you run against each other, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you can be whatever party you choose if you. I'm be independent, right? <laughs> so you get Texas, right? So mm-hmm. you get 30, right? Mm-hmm. I get Rhode Island, Vermont, in New Hampshire, right? So you won one, I won three, right? Mm-hmm. But you got the 30 electoral votes. Rhode Island's only worth two, Vermont's only worth three, and New Hampshire's only worth four. So I only get nine, right? Mm-hmm. So even though you got that one state, you got That one makes more. sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. And this is the first time. Yes. This is the first time ever that has ever, ever clicked for me. Okay, so let me see if I can 
say it again because if I can repeat it, then I've retained it. I love to so, hear it. So, <clears throat> even though, I mean, it's really based on the population. Like, there are more individual votes for the smaller states, but because it's like the one electoral vote has more value than the other. Correct. You know, than the individual. Correct. Correct. State, because there's more people. Right. Like there's more people under that one electoral vote. Correct, correct. So and so and the, so yes, the the thing was so remember with popular vote. Mm -hmm. Let's say Texas is five million. Mm -hmm. I'm in you know Rhode Island. I got thirty thousand. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't five million in comparison to thirty thousand is like it's not even worth my time. Right. But if you're only thirty and I'm only three, but it's a close electoral vote mm -hmm. race where any elect electorate could push you over. I'm like, I gotta go to Rhode Island. Cause that three means a lot more in the long run. Because you're just trying to get two hundred or whatever number it is, two hundred and seventy something. Right, yeah, yeah. To, to get there, right? But like I said, the issues and the critiques that come with the Electoral College is that even though majority of US citizens vote for this one person, because this particular candidate won the right states. Okay. Okay, they okay, now okay, hit that electoral okay, vote, okay. and that's why you get a lot of criticism for the electoral okay. yeah, college. Yeah, because I'm just like, I thought that the electoral college was just a selected group of people that they made their own decision, and they're just their opinion was just valued more than everybody else's. Like we only everybody vote, but we're only going to pay attention to these people's vote. That's what I understand. And, and, and part of it is true, right? So each mm -hmm. state has their elect electorates, right, and they mm -hmm. make the decision, right? But the thing about it is, a lot of times the electors are made out of, you know, the, the representatives in that state or the Congress people and a couple other delegates. And the issue that comes with that is, even though they see that the popular vote in, let's say, Texas is blue, I'm still going to vote red. It ain't never going to be blue. Oh, Texas. Oh, what well, am I? The tie. I will tell y'all. Right I hope now, I'm alive is, when I see the Texas. The If it is not this time, the tide is coming. Better O'Rourke pushed a lot of people to go blue. Yeah. That's what all the I that forgot. I didn't black. even think about. I didn't even think about how the initial candidates, everybody else had, you know, had still has influence on the same election. Correct. And the thing about Better O'Rourke. Which was so special, which is why if Texas turned blue, they need to send a check to Better O'Rourke, the Democrats. Mm -hmm. Is that Better O'Rourke, like I said, a lot of people don't like politics. Because right. they're like, this is all foolishness. But when Better O'Rourke ran, a lot of people feel like, man, this is a guy I want to rally behind. So what did, what did that do? It spurred voter registration. So now you got people who typically would never vote. Voting. That's a whole right. new voter block. Right. Right. That takes, so how do you turn a state blue or red? A lot of times it's that voter registration because now you're tapping into areas that the po the political calculations didn't take in consideration of because they're like they ain't gonna vote because right. they don't care. But now right. you get a now you get a better award or Barack Obama that inspires people now you can register to vote. And that's how slowly the the, the states turn blue. So if we keep having heavy hitters come through Texas. Mm -hmm. You know, the Castro brothers, you had better award. And I mean, the the Democratic debate was at TSU this year. Like, right. I had the amazing opportunity to go to the debate, and that was one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life, I'm not going to lie to you. But I think that did a lot, too. Like, there were so many people, and just for it to be in third ward, like, 
the Democratic debate was in third ward. Ten candidates in the middle of George Floyd's... You know, like, where George Floyd's right. from. George Floyd's from here, and I watched the Democratic debate before. So, I just think that that's super dope. So, I look, I'm looking forward to seeing Texas turn blue. Um, can I ask your opinion on the candidates or no? <laughs> you can. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm always... I'm always free to give my opinion. Uh, and you're talking from both sides, right? You say what? You're talking about from both sides. Yes, you're yes, your opinion. So, first, I'm independent, right? Mm-hmm. So, meaning that I'm not okay. a Democrat or Republican. Okay. I'm pro the people. Think for yourself. Way, right? I like yeah. it. <laughs> so, if y'all ever see me run, I'm always going to have independent. You'll, you'll, you'll never see a Democratic or Republican. Would you run for president? No. Oh, okay. I, don't, I don't like politics like that. I don't. You... And I'm an elected official, but just as you don't call your school board member a politician, they just do it because they want to change the educational system. I'm a community developer by heart. So I'm a community developer in the elected official position. Okay, cool, cool. So that's why I'll be giving critiques fully, and I don't care (laughs) if the Democrats or Republicans hate me, right? Um, So, one, um, and like I said, I'm I'm just very straight up and honest, right? As it should be. I am too. Yeah. Trump signifies white nationalism on an overt level, meaning that, as you see, like, we have now almost culminated the American flag or the Trump flag as white nationalism because that's how overt they have been and their beliefs, I mean, these systems, I mean, just the way that they're trying to preserve things to where it was in the good old days, right? Make America Great Again came from Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan, who had the war on uh, on the war on drugs after Richard Nixon, like that. Like mm-hmm. if you if you read the books and you look at the history, like it tells you what's happening, right? Um, so Trump, I mean, I, I, he already speaks for himself. Like he, I'll tell you, I mean, they know guessing with me what he believes in and what he's trying to do. Right. So, you know, white nationalism all the way. Um, with Biden and Kamala. I really, okay, so let me, mm, go ahead. I liked Biden because I really thought that it was just going to be an extension of Obama, but then everybody was like, no, he's a racist. <laughs> His parents <laughs> own slaves. <laughs> so, okay, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Biden, so, Biden and Kamala. So this, so this is my feeling about Biden. Uh, there's a good book um, called How to Be Anti-Racist. Uh, Ibram Kendi. Ibram X. Kendi. I'm sorry if I butchered your name. <laughs> um, but he categorizes four different categories. Um, you got a racist, an assimilationist, a segregationist, and an anti-racist. Um, and so a racist, obviously, someone that not only believes that one race is inferior to them, but also has the power to back that up through structures and systems, right? Because okay. racism ain't racism without policies, right? And if you don't have policies like redlining, if you don't right. give black people money after slavery, you don't loan them uh, funds for businesses, all like, these are all policies that institutionalize racism, right? right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Trump does that all the way. And you'll see like the federal judges, they're trying to make sure that racism stays institutionalized with these judges, right? So, that, that's one section. Next one is assimilationists, right? They're the melting pot gumbo people, right? Like, everybody, let's kumbaya all together. You know, okay, let's all, okay, all come okay. together. 
I have a problem with that. I'll tell you why. But then I was about to say, that's me. I, I, I'm going to tell you <laughs> why the problem with assimilationists. But then you have segregationists that's like, look, you stay over here, I, I stay over here, right? It, it's not even that I have the power to create these structures of racism. But, I, you know, you're better over here, we're better over here. Let's, you know, we don't fight if we're not mixed together, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what the KKK was talking about. Y'all stay over here, we stay over here. We just want a white nation, and y'all y'all can go back to Africa or whatever. Y'all do what y'all do over here. Um, and then you got anti-racists, right? Anti-racists are people who understand that black people and other groups are so behind, right? If you look at the wealth inequalities, you look at ownership inequalities, right, 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 educational right, right. inequalities, mm-hmm. and they're so far behind that to equal and equate the system, you will legitimately have to create policies that discriminate to these groups that are far behind. And what I mean by that is let's say me and you like let's have a race, mm-hmm. right? Um, we're gonna race to we're gonna see who touches the door, right? Now, if me and you went to race to touch the door, you would have an advantage, yeah, right? You're because you're closer, mm-hmm. right? Now, granted, we can have the same shoes on, we have the same athletic wear, what not? Exactly right. Mm-hmm. So the thing about anti-racism is that to create a more perfect union, as stated in these founding documents, is that we need to have everybody on the same level, and the only way to help everybody be on the same level is that you you can't just give us both the same type of shoes you need to put me in the same spot that you're in so we have equal race to the door the thing about biden is i don't think he's an anti-racist i think he's assimilationist where he's like you know what hey everybody let's mess together but it's like that is not the reality that we're in if you're really trying to help black people if you're really trying to make a more perfect union you got to have policies that discriminate specifically not minorities but to black people. Because minorities, if you look in a lot of the legislation, puts white women, puts veterans, puts Native Americans. Put, so he puts all these people in this group of minorities. Which no is, way white women are classified as a minority. If, Ain't no way. If, you, if no way. you register for a hub, which is a historically underutilized business, they, they say they help certain minorities. One of the minorities they serve is white women. I never knew that. I'm thinking when I hear minority, I'm thinking that it's blacks, Hispanics, you know, like. And, ooh, I and, 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 and it had, but here's the thing. It has transferred over time. So it wasn't always all these different groups. They just started adding more and more groups into this, right? So now you have, so now it's the umbrella effect. So if they say, you know what, here's the policy for all minorities. Black people are still at the bottom because it's a trickle-down effect because we are looked at as an underclass in today's system. So I go back to say with Biden is, do I think that he is overtly as racist as Trump? No. Absolutely not. No. I I, I don't think he so. He worked with Obama. I really... I, I have give to, him... I give his, you know, his history with Obama. I give that credit. Does that not deserve any credit? Like, well, I'll tell you working this. hand-to-hand with... I, I will criticize Obama as well. Our forever president? Whoa. Oh, I, I, I wow, wow. Obama. I want to hear. I would love to hear a perspective. You, I would love to right hear now? a perspective. Yes, right now. So the thing about Obama is... Mm, I, I didn't take same. you to your boots off my carpet. I was going to ask mm, you. It's white. Go ahead. Get back to Obama. I was going to ask <laughs> you. but So the thing about Obama, like I said, after... See, we can't look at people from an emotional standpoint, right? Mm. As cool... And as suave as we may think these people are, we have to actually look at the policy that they instated, right? The thing about Obama is 
once again, I don't think he was an anti-racist. I think he was an assimilationist, right? Which, for some people, psychologically is cool, but those who are anti-racist, they, they stir the pot a lot. Because Do you they're think now that asking, Obama would have been able to have his same success if he would have tried to go black power, black power, black power? I don't think he, he wouldn't have gotten office. The thing about it is... About the whole, and I, I, I definitely understand your perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Because they say to stay in the game, you got to play the game. Exactly. Right? Exactly. At the same time, there are plenty of examples in history of people who play the game, and once they got in the game, they change the game. In a sense that they're like, you know what? I'm going to be, you know, even if you like read uh, 40 Laws of Power, right? But I, and this is. <laughs> Hey, just because you read 48 Laws of Power doesn't mean... I didn't give me that book. If you read 48 Laws of Power, you're not an overlord. A lot of people be, <laughs> be reading that once and now they think they're the emperor of man, right? Somebody told me to read it before. Right, but the thing about it is some people, they play the game once again again and they just totally dismantle the game, right? I think Obama played the game to be in the game, but when he got to the spot of the game... Like, he just stayed within the game. Now, does that mean... That oh, he should have did what he did to get there, but then came back, double back to the community? Right. But, like I said, I, I understand the complexity. I know it's tough. It is, like, people out here getting killed for going against the establishment and the power. So, the thing is, is, like, I don't, you know, I don't sweat nobody for the, the way they do things. But at the end of the day... I know where black people are in terms of the underclass of society. Mm -hmm. So to get up to the top, you're going to need bravery and courage that's on a whole another level that you're just not going to find. I mean, one of my favorite guys of all time is Fred Hampton. He got shot up in his house at 21 when he was the head of the Chicago Black Panther Party or the Chicago chapter, right? Wow. But he spoke against the system. And like mm -hmm. I said, they take, they take, okay. they, they've been taking folk out, whatever. But, right. But the thing is, like, with Obama, um, like I said, they're good and bad. Like, Obamacare, like, it gave my grandma grandma health care, right? So, like, to me, it's like, I like this policy because, like, <laughs> like, that's my family, right? Every single policy that they make is not going to directly relate everybody individually, you know? Like, every single policy every, probably is not going to affect your life. But, but, but I'm asking the same question. Is that question. what you're wanting? <laughs> no, first of all, wait, what I want is black liberation. Okay. I want my people to be free. Yeah. I want my people to get... First of all, we were promised 40 acres in a mural by William T. Sherman in General Order Number 15 during Reconstruction. So my ancestors yeah. that went and built this country and got zero dollars promised that we was get going to get land and we were going to get agriculture so we could help produce for ourselves. Right. But after Andrew Johnson came in, he took away all Reconstruction so my people didn't get dilly squat. So my thing is, like, I'm not even really here to really talk about the politics of things because building local power is what I'm all about. Like, building black liberation. Yeah, I like it, I like it, I like it. Okay, I definitely can dig but, it. But the thing about, and this thing about Obama is I like the foreign policy of... What I'm not going to let you go hard on Obama too much longer. You probably got 30 more seconds. So I, I, I told you, I give I give critique. I give good I, and bad. But the, the thing as black people, we got to <laughs> be able to look at things logically and out of emotionally know, and critique know, the good I and the know. bad. But his foreign policy... Obama and LeBron, I don't want to Like I said, I don't, I don't like it whenever you are the leader of the free world. You have African countries struggling the way they are mm -hmm. and you are not putting more aid to bring... African liberation, the whole, the whole aspect. Is he, are, is the president of the United States leader of the free world? 
I am as much I am much a citizen of this world as I'm a citizen of my city, of my state, and of my country. That's the way I look at it. So if we got problems, we got SARS in Nigeria, we got our people being killed. The only way to build black liberation is you got to create international alliance. So we're going to be tribalistic or nationalistic only in, in the U.S. That's how we stay weak. Because the thing is, if police started killing Chinese people, China over there China would be like... China is not going to be like, no. Because I'm over here in China and my Chinese American over there, I ain't about to stick up for my folks. Right. Chinese like, no, we, we Chinese wherever we are. We're right, but there's location. such a divide within our community. Like the Africans, Caribbeans, African Americans. I feel like there's such a divide and everybody classifies themselves differently. No, I agree. But at the same time, you got to look at the history of Africanism and mm-hmm. where we were. We were at the top. When we talk about Ethiopia, when we talk about King Menes, when we talk about them boys back in the Egyptian dynasties that was at the top, it wasn't until the Asiatic people, and this is destruction of the black civilization by Dr. Chancellor Williams, I'm quoting. Then you got Dr. Francis Welsing a little bit that she talks about the ISIS papers. And you got John Henry Clark and all the other black African historians that talked about that black people were at the top, at the tip top of the world. But people got envious of us and tried to take us down. So now when you got the transatlantic slave trade, you got them taking over North, Lower, and Upper Egypt. I mean, we're talking back before slavery of how black people were education dismantled. If you go to different tombs and different places, like if you go to Kemet, that's a, that is the historical name for Egypt before they changed the name to Egypt. Like, if they had the writings on the walls, the scriptures, they actually scraped that off. You are very well versed in this. I, I'm sorry. You, you are you, very you, you, well you got, versed. You got me going. I, I, you, you got me going. I love it. You got I love me it, going. and I but, appreciate but let, it. Let, 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 me, let, me reel, <laughs> let me reel it all back. Let me reel it all black. Reel it all back. I said reel it all black. <laughs> I understand where we are. So, no matter who is in leadership of power, we got to be able, and this goes back to voting. I'm going to tell you back. <laughs> we have to be able to critically analyze people, not based off of emotion, but based off of logic and what is done. Because when it comes time to vote, we can look at the things that we ask for from you. Because if we're saying, I'm going to vote, if I'm going to vote for Marissa, Marissa, I need to do this, this, and that for me. Mm-hmm. Right? This is what my community needs. You're going to run for re-election one day. By the time you run for re-election, I need to be able to say, check, 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 yep, yep, check, yep, 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 that's right. You, that's are, right. you are now worthy of my vote. You are now unworthy of my vote. So when we talk about Joe Biden, Kamala, Trump, all of them, we need to do a deep analysis of the history of these different candidates, what they did, and ask okay. ourselves. That's perfect. That's perfect. Take me into Kamala. That's perfect to take me into Kamala. Because <clears throat> my understanding is that she was the top prosecutor in California. Mm. And, you know, she had the highest rate of prosecutions of black men for nonviolent crimes. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you know, if I need to dumb it down a little bit, she locked black people up the most. And I'm going to single it for marijuana. Like, you're in California locking black people up for weed. Um... But then now, when your presidential candidacy, a part of your platform is in mass incarceration. That is a direct contradiction to what you chose as your career. 
So everything that you worked up to to be locking, you know, black men up, like that's what you chose to do your job. Now you're trying to convince me that no, we're gonna end mass incarceration. Okay, everybody you locked up, you start by getting them out. First things first. That's how that you know, like you can that's what you can do to so I just that wasn't really credible for me as president. But vice president, oh I'm all for it. I'm all for bison on the ballot. I'm all for a Greek D9 in the White House. Do you know what that means for a black people? Like, that is so, that's huge. I think that that's huge. So now I'm going to stand and I'm with it. And I just, you know, it's two, it's two different powers, I think. So. Oh, I, I'll say this. I'll say this. With, with Kamala and Joe, like I said, do, do I believe they're anti-racist? No. But do I, do I believe they're assimilationists? Mm-hmm. Uh, I I, I would say I would think that Kamala's more assimilationist. Joe Biden, uh, he teeters between the two mm-hmm. because, like I said, he did write the 1993 crime bill. That I had, gotta go read that. I oh, have to go that, read it. That was super devastating. I yeah, that was I don't. Super devastating. People keep asking me, did you get bailed? No, I haven't. I'll give you a quick little synopsis. Yes, thank you. Very, very, very quick synopsis of it. Uh, it was three strikes, you're out. Right now, it was under Bill Clinton, but basically, if you had three different charges that you were uh, convicted for, mm-hmm. um, it would do, I think it was a minimum 25 to life sentence. So that's why we talk about the, the a lot of people talk about the drug offenders and talk about decriminalizing marijuana mm-hmm. because it's like, if it's your third crime, all you did was have, you know, this amount of weed, they arrested, like, oh, this is your third time? Or oh, now you get 25. Oof. And that yeah. destroys so many black households because I mean that's just the country systematically keeping slavery alive. I think right. you know just the prison system. You know, that's I think another that, that's, form that, that's of, right. That's yeah, it's that's just another that's form of the slavery system. So, um, as far as Kamala, like, what are what are your thoughts on? Um, so it? with Kamala, I think so. Obviously, um, she was a prosecutor, but then she became a senator. Mm-hmm. Um, you you will see that some of her ideologies change. Now, I'll tell you. Is I, that valid? So, like, what is the validity on that? So, my aspect is, one, everybody gets the opportunity to change. My thoughts of yesterday, true. I'm That's not going to be held hostage. That's true. That's so, literally, true. everything I tell you now, which it probably won't change by tomorrow, but if I get new information, reality is your interpretation of information. And if I get new information and read and whatnot, like, give you somebody a chance to grow, right? So, yes. I will still critique Kamala for what she did. But I do know she did some good things as well as a senator, right? Mm-hmm. So having that said, I'll give her more benefit of doubt. And just to be honest, like, I think after Obama, and this is an example to give my own perspective. Mm-hmm. After Obama and him, everyone, you know, hailing him as the next coming of Christ, right? And you see little critique, really, from the masses about him from the black community. Mm-hmm. And when they saw Kamala, they kind of went the exact opposite and said, you know what, we gave him too much of a pass. We're going to be really hard on her because now she's the next, you know, you know, biggest, black person. You know major candidate, whatever, right? And so I think as much as we gave too much praise to Obama and didn't really criticize him and critique him the way we should have. Too much praise where? He's the first black man in office. He deserves every bit you, of praise for I'm not saying that it's not an accomplishment. I'm not saying it's an accomplishment. And that's the thing. And that's the whole thing, the difference between logical and emotional, is that I can say, like, 
Oh, you're a great host, but your editing needs to be a little bit. Better. It does. I know that. Right, but does that but that that take away the accomplishment of you being oh, no, a great host, right? So I, I use that context, right? And so same thing with Kamala. I think we were so we're like, man, we gave Obama so much praise and not enough criticism. We're gonna give her a whole bunch of criticism and not look for any type of praise, right? And humans are yin and yang. We're, it's duality, right? We have good, we have bad. But are you willing to object or non-objectively look at someone in their work, in their body of work, and just be like, look, Obama's a cool person. Mm -hmm. But his work, this is good, and this is bad. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm all cool with that. I don't think that he got in office into everything president, I mean, everything perfect. But I do, I give him the utmost respect. I, you know, the utmost, utmost, utmost respect for doing that twice. You know, can you imagine the pressure of walking in the White House as a black man? I just, yeah, I, I salute, I salute to Obama. Um, I just wanted, to, I'm look, we're gonna wrap this up. This went way longer than I expected. I just wanted to give a little message to my people to go vote, but this was wonderful, and I am extremely grateful. No matter what you do, we need Trump out of the office. No, it's not. No matter what you do, go vote. Go vote, go vote. Tomorrow, you can go vote all day today. Go vote all day tomorrow. But make sure, you know, you're telling your friends, your family, vote. This is one of the most important elections of history. So, get out there and do it. Anything else you'd like to say? Last messages? Uh, last thing I got to say is, the great Marissa said, make sure y'all do. <laughs> but as I said earlier, it's not, it's not advantageous to have a hammer and not know how to use it. Right, so if you're gonna go vote, like one, educate yourself on the candidates. Don't just think about federal, but think about that state, county, and local, because that's really going to affect your community. And we don't see the effects until something bad happens. Cassandra Bland happened at Prairie View, so right. So you, so you gotta think ahead of the game, right? And use that aspect of voting. Have conversations, read books, watch videos, watch scholars to really understand the power of the vote. And don't take anything, and this is all I say, don't take anything me nor Marissa said to fact. Do your own research. Oh, yeah. Do Please, don't take my word for anything. Because, hey, look, I could have been wrong today. If me, I was I'm wrong about anything, if I was wrong when I was talking about electoral Let college, please, I would Let love to be corrected. And we got to be able to be open to criticism. Right, so and we it's can not even better. criticism or correction or anything. If I don't understand, let me know. I would like, the, you know, the proper knowledge. Right. I don't care if, if, you know, I heard the wrong information. And, you know, if I, if I yeah, it's okay. Let me know. Not only challenge you or challenge yourself, challenge other folks. Alright, thanks for chatting. Man, it's been a pleasure. It's an honor. Yes, thank you, Dante. Y'all make sure you guys go follow Dante. I'll put his uh his information.